Thank you for taking time to listen to this Redemption Church sermon. Redemption Church exists to make authentic disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of our world. We want to help everyday people wake up to a deep, meaningful life in Christ. We pray this sermon will help. For more information about Redemption Church and for additional resources, please visit redemptionokc.com. Yeah. Student, student ministry is heading off to camp this week. Um, Caleb Holmes is one of our teaching leaders at RSM. He's a dear friend. Uh, we've been doing ministry together now for a couple of years in the area of student ministry. And our heartbeat as a church is not to have silos. And what I mean by that is that student ministry isn't functioning in its own world apart from what we're doing here on Sunday mornings. And so a couple times a year, we want to look at trying to connect our hearts with what's going on in student ministry. And so uh, this morning, we have the privilege of, of having Caleb preach for us out of Proverbs. Um, a couple of reminders as we're heading to camp. Yes. Um, we've got these bracelets here. I think we've got just a few more of these out in the foyer um, we would love for you guys to partner with us in prayer. I see yours, Miss Donna. Nicely done. Uh, we also have a prayer guide that you can pick up just to be praying over our students and our leaders as they head off to camp. Um, so we'd love to engage with you in that way. Um, am I missing anything else? Uh, no, I think, yeah, prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. That's uh, what we need. We know that uh, we can go to camp and do all the fun things, but if the Lord isn't there and, and doesn't bless us, then what's it all for, right? That's it. Um, and uh, you all know, some of you have been to camp. Maybe it's been a while since you went to camp, but some of you did go, uh, and it's an impactful experience uh, yeah. if the Lord uh, moves and shows up. And so yeah. um, we want to help you or ask you to help us uh, uh, pray in that way. Well, let's welcome Caleb one more time, and then I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. You want that? I do not need that. Whatever I did with that would sound worse than whatever just happened there. Just like discordant twanging. Um, all right. Uh, glad to be with you all again. Uh, really is uh, a joy to get to uh, stand before you. And so humbled and excited. Um, to talk about uh, a, a, a difficult topic for me anyway, which we'll talk about that here in just a second. Um, you all know we've been working through Proverbs over the past uh, few weeks, over the course of the summer, the way of the wise, right? Um, and the book of Proverbs is sometimes referred to as pearls on a string. Um, and it's this idea that, uh, that individually these things are, are really beautiful in and of themselves, but you connect them together, Right? Um, and they make something even even better, right? Even more beautiful. Um, but what's hard about this is that sometimes uh, these Proverbs don't necessarily connect to each other, right? If you've read Proverbs, you know this. You go through and you're like, well, that thought has nothing to do with the last one that I just read. These are completely disconnected ideas. And it's great for memorization because we have these verses that we can put away in our back pocket at the last second when we have something that comes up. Um, but sometimes it's, it's hard to teach, um, and so Jeff was like, hey, do you want to teach? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, it's Proverbs. And I was like, oh. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I began reading through the book and looking at it and saying, hey, Lord, what do you, what do you want us to talk about on, on that Sunday morning, right? And so uh, as I re- read through the book, what you see, especially if you read in larger chunks, um, you know, two or three settings, the book of Proverbs, which if you haven't done that, I would encourage you to do so. It doesn't take that long. 
Um, what you'll notice is that, is that while these are pearls on a string, there's also themes that develop, right? That there really is a way of the wise, because that's what most of the book is about, right? It's about how do wise people act? What do they do? What are their characteristics? What is it about them? And so you'll notice as you read through that a wise person spends their money carefully, that they guard their tongue. They don't just say whatever comes into their mouth. They uh, raise their children in the fear of the Lord, right? Uh, They uh, care for those who are less fortunate than them. They do all of these sorts of things. And one of the themes that actually you'll you'll notice as you read through Proverbs 2 is that uh, a wise person is slow to anger. They're slow to anger. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And I feel like I should confess to you that I really didn't want to teach on this theme. (laughs) I really didn't want to teach on this. Because, and I really, I legitimately, I explored some of these other themes and looked at them. But the Lord just kept saying like, hey, you need to talk about this. And the reason I didn't want to teach on it is because uh, I confess to you all um, that I, I've, I've got an anger problem sometimes. I, I've got a temper. I have a very short fuse. I, I always have. Even since I was a little kid, I've been that way. Whatever your favorite personality test is, Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or whatever, I always score like whatever like the, the intense one is, right? There's this low-level like lying. You can hear it now, even in my voice, right? There's this low-lying, just like when everyone else is you know, at a one, I'm at a three, okay? This is just kind of how Lord has wired me. And that's great. I'm thankful for that in a lot of ways. But sometimes, perhaps way more than it should, (laughs) that's a problem. My suspicion, though, is that while some of you are probably a lot like me, even if you're not like me, even if you're not wired that way, you, you do sometimes lash out in anger. You do get upset about things. And it's probably more than it should be and more than you would like, right? And some of you are looking at me and you're thinking, well, Caleb Holmes... He's so kind. He's such a teddy bear, right? He's so sweet. It's a a solid question. I'm not saying anyone is saying that. I'm saying they're thinking that possibly. At least I hope they are. The truth is the only thing a teddy bear and I have in common is that we have a little bit more fluff in the middle than we should, okay? But again, thankfully the Lord has brought more patience in my life, but a leopard doesn't change his spots very easily, right? And like I said, when I'm stressed or tired or just not in step with the Lord, I get heated pretty quickly. And I didn't want to teach on this, but like I said, the Lord kept saying, no, you need to talk about this. It's a thing that not only you need, Caleb, but other people need too. And so the big question we need to ask ourselves before we get into the way of the wise here is, what's the problem with anger anyway, right? Why, is this, why should we even be concerned about this? Because isn't anger just an emotion that we need to express from time to time? That's what the world would tell you is that, hey, it's okay to be angry. Like sometimes you just need to be angry. You need to get passionate about something. You need to be upset. And that's true. It is an emotion, but there's a downside to it. James 1, 19 through 20 puts it this way. The Bible actually has a lot to say about the importance of being slow to anger. And James puts it, I think, most succinctly. He says this, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, for the anger of man does not, or excuse me, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger does not lead to righteousness. 
And as Christians, right, as people who are following Jesus, we should be doing what we need to do in order to pursue holiness. And a Christian is someone who is slow to anger. It's one of the things we should be known for. Now, having said that, the Bible does allow for what we would call righteous anger, right? Some of you are like, oh, hey, cool. Righteous anger, that's the thing I can get behind. (laughs) And I think it's important that we talk about that before we talk about these other things, because there are times when it's okay to be angry. You'll notice James says that it's the anger of men that doesn't produce righteousness. It's our anger, but not righteous anger. And the Bible, again, has several instances of righteous anger, okay? Uh, uh, Nehemiah, when he hears that the poor are being exploited by the rich, he gets angry. He gets upset. Jesus, famously, right, gets angry a few times in the Gospels. He gets so mad that he overturns tables, okay? He makes a whip. Now, I don't know about you all. I can't speak for you all. I get, again, I get heated sometimes. I've never made a whip, okay? I've never made that. And also, just, this is a digression, but I feel like it needs to be said. That would have taken some time to do, right? He would have had to sit there and make this, which means that people are watching him like, Jesus, what are you going to do with that whip? What are, you, what are you doing, right? Even Peter's like, I don't know about this. In the Bible, again, lots of instances of this. And if Jesus can, ang- can get angry, then can't we? Well, yeah. But Jesus is angry about the right things. See, righteous biblical anger is about connecting injustices, or, or excuse me, correcting injustices, or making sure that God is properly praised and glorified and given his honor. We should be mad about abuse, about war, about racism, about the exploitation of poor or children or the elderly. We should be angry when we see the church behaving like the world or when false teachings lead others away from the flock. Those are things worth being mad about. We live in a broken and sinful world, and there is much that we should be angry about. But a lot of the times, probably most of the times, when we're angry, it's not about stuff like that. It's not because of injustices, it's because of our own pride and arrogance. We get mad because traffic is bad or because our our spouse is making us late again. Or our order is wrong or because Susan at work didn't read our message and now we have to say to her, per my last email, right, and then fill in the blank. See, we usually get upset because of injustices in our kingdoms, not because of injustices in God's kingdom. This is what James is talking about when he called, says the anger of men does not lead to righteousness. So then, if being slow to anger is so important, if this is the mark of a Christian, if this is the mark of the wise, then what does this look like? And that's what we want to explore this morning. Okay, so four little points. Again, if you're taking notes, I think we'll have them up here. Four points, uh, four ways in which we see when we read through Proverbs, someone who is slow to anger, what they're doing, okay? So the first thing that someone who is slow to anger does is they seek understanding. Someone who is slow to anger seeks understanding. Proverbs 14.29 says that whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Great understanding. I like that phrase. Whoever is slow to anger has wisdom. They have knowledge. They have insight into the problem. They know what's going on and they understand the situation or the background, or the person. But whoever has a hasty temper, they exalt folly. Folly meaning foolishness. Notice that it's not just that they have folly or are foolish, but it's that they exalt it. They lift it up. 
whether it's a little foolishness or a lot, they're lifting it up. That's what happens when we have a temper. Anger is a magnifying glass towards our foolishness and lack of understanding. It makes things bigger and bigger and bigger. And we know this, we've experienced this probably every day to one degree or another, whether it's us or someone else, right? We lash out or get upset thinking, well, this will fix the situation. This is going to fix the problem, right? But we just end up looking silly because we don't have that one piece of information that would have, under, would have helped us here, right? It only makes things worse. And if we had only tried to understand, if we had only tried to seek understanding, to get knowledge, to get wisdom, then, man, we wouldn't have had to put our foot in our mouth. <laughs> the temper exalts foolishness, but whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Proverbs 18.15 tells us that an intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. What do the wise do? They try to understand what's going on. They ask questions. They listen. They work to process the information. They don't just get mad right away. We talk a lot with our four-year-old about this very idea about listening. Because if you have a four-year-old in your house, you have to repeat yourself a lot. Like, a lot. Right? Right? We say things like, it's time to clean up your toys, or you have to try everything on your dinner plate, or gentle hands, because sometimes four-year-olds are just really rough. Okay? They're like a bouncer at a club or something. It's like, how are you so strong? They're just, anyway, they're just, they're just that way. And so, what, but we, so we repeat ourselves a lot. Why do we have to do this? Well, it's because uh, <clears throat> it's really two reasons. One is because, obviously, they don't always fully understand or comprehend what's being said to them. <laughs> and two, it's because they're easily distracted, right? There's something else going on. It's like, oh, there's a bird outside. It's like, please eat your dinner, okay? But we're no different, are we? Someone starts talking about something, and we go off, go off into our own world thinking about our rebuttal to whatever it is they are telling us. We've already solved the problem. Who cares what they have to say, Right? We begin to, and it, that's if we even care about the problem in the first place. A lot of times we start thinking about a to-do list or how we need to get caught up on our emails or text messages or whatever it is. And then later down the line, we blow our tops in anger. And it's not because uh, we um, are necessarily angry. I mean, we are. But it's also because we never understood and listened back when someone presented us the situation. Right? We never saw understanding or knowledge or insight about the situation or the person or the problem. And when you read through the Gospels, though, Jesus isn't like this when it comes to people. He is a listener. He cares. He seeks understanding and knowledge. He sits beside the woman at the well and hears her story. In Mark 10, in a huge crowd of people, he hears the blind beggar Bartimaeus crying out for him. He listens to the disciples' wild and crazy ideas. He even dialogues and discusses with the Pharisees. And I can't help but wonder how different our lives would be if we followed that same model, if we listened the way Jesus does. Sometimes, though, the thing we need to understand isn't someone else or another problem or a situation at work or, or something along those lines. What we need to understand is ourselves. We need to understand what's going on in our own hearts and our own minds because they're deceptive and wicked, and it can get real confusing real fast. We have hurts and habits and hang-ups that we need to filter and sort through. We have events and stories from our past that we need to process. 
And we get angry because we don't understand what's going on inside us. Sometimes my wife, Allison, she'll say, I'm having a bad day, right? She can just tell. I'm just not right. She'll say, what's going on with you? What's, what's going on? And I'll say, I don't know. Because I genuinely don't know what's going on inside me, okay? Some of you men especially can agree with that, right? I don't know what's going on inside me. I'm just, I'm, I'm not right. And this is why one of the reasons, this is one of the reasons why finding good community inside the church matters so much, right? To have people who can come alongside us and help us decipher what's happening in our heads and in our hearts, right? Sometimes we need even more than friends, though. We need counselors and therapists to help us. And, and if you're here today and that's you, you're thinking, man, I need a safe place, whether it's a small group or, or something a bit more professional, I would say uh, find someone to talk to about that. If you need a safe place to process and gain understanding about your own story, about your own heart, about your own mind, then let someone know. Find me, find Chris, find one of the elders or someone else on staff, and, and we want to get you connected to community and to, again, someone uh, more professional if that needs to happen. Someone who is slow to anger doesn't react. They respond. They set aside their pride and humbly ask questions and gain understanding and insight first. This leads us then to characteristic number two. They keep their mouth shut. (laughs) Someone who is slow to anger keeps their mouth shut. I tried to think of a better, perhaps more polite, more like adult way to say this, but I'm the youth guy, and so you just say whatever, right? Uh, They keep their mouth shut. And that's really what's happening here. Proverbs 17, 27 through 28 says that whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Someone who is slow to anger is not verbally impulsive. They don't just say whatever comes into their brain. And if you're anything like me, this is the hard one. <laughs> notice, notice that it says restrains. How many times have you started to say something and you were glad that you didn't? Some of us not enough, right? We put our foot in our mouth too many times. It's not that those who are slow to anger don't have something to say. They do have something to say. But they restrain themselves. They keep it in check. Because why? Because they know that they, as we just discussed, they need to get understanding and insight first. Right? That's the first step. They need to have knowledge and wisdom about the situation and what's happening. And they can't talk and listen at the same time. So they keep their mouth shut. They stay quiet. It says that they have a cool spirit. The root word here is the same as to chill. You're chilling a beverage. And I love this. It makes me think of some guy in a leather jacket just leaning against the wall. Right? It's the Fonz. It's Steve McQueen. It's whoever the cool person is now. I don't even know. Students, you'll have to help me. I sh- again, I should know that, but I don't. Right? They have a cool spirit. They're in a leather jacket leaning against the wall. It's cool, man. I got understanding. It's fine. Just chill. Everything's going to be cool. They have a cool spirit. I don't know about that. They have a cool spirit. A fool just starts talking, right? It could be right, it could be wrong, but they're going to be heard one way or the other. They're just going to start talking. Proverbs 18.2 puts it this way, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only 
in expressing his opinion. <laughs> this is the only thing they care about. Have you ever been around someone like this? They just keep giving their thoughts and opinions about everything, and you're like, hey, I don't really need to know what you think about this, right? They don't care to get any knowledge about anything. It's The only thing that matters is what they have to say. And the truth is, on some level, we're all like this now, right? For better or worse, because of the internet, we can all give our opinions about everything all the time. And what that's done to us is that it's shaped us to now, even in our own interpersonal relationships, we start to do that, right? It's not just online anymore, it's face-to-face with people too. It used to be that the only opinions people had were about food. Now they have opinions about everything. And this is a dangerously prideful way to live. Proverbs 13.3 says that whoever guards his mouth preserves his life, and he who opens wide his lips come to ruin. And this is really hard. Because again, most of us like to be heard. We like to give our opinions. Some of you are like, no, I'm okay. But most of us like to give our opinions. But someone who is slow to anger isn't like this. They humbly restrain themselves in order to first get knowledge. Let's not skip over verse 28 either. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. This is really solid advice from Proverbs. Next time you find yourself in a meeting or at a dinner or just talking to people in general who are smarter than you, just stay quiet and they'll think you're smart. I've used this many times. And outside of it being solid advice, though, why is this here? Well, it's because it's an illustration of the power of restraint and of listening and of being quiet. Even a dummy seems smart when they're quiet. Catch a broken clock at the right time of day, and it'll seem like it's working. A person who is slow to anger humbles themselves. They stay quiet. They restrain themselves. And if needed, they seek understanding. Then what do they do? After they've stayed quiet and they've sought understanding, they have the information, then what happens? Proverbs 12, 18, there's one whose rash words are like, the sword, are like sword thrusts. The tongue of the wise brings healing. They're not just talking, right? Because they know that that's going to be like sword thrusts. It's dangerous and damaging. But once they get understanding, they're going to try and bring healing to whatever's going on. They're not just spouting off at the mouth. They're going to bring healing. So a person who is slow to anger is uh, they seek understanding. They keep their mouth shut. And number three, a person who is slow to anger forgives. We just talked about healing here, and this is the next thing that they do. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Good sense. (laughs) Again, just like we've been seeing, this is translated as knowledge or understanding or intelligence. It's wisdom. Wisdom makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Anger and forgiveness cannot coexist. They are oil and water, and when one moves out, the other moves in, and vice versa. We can be angry or we can be forgiving, but we cannot be both. Proverbs 17.9 tells us that whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. I'm sure many of us have had this experience. We just can't seem to let go of whatever is going on. 
we want to hold on to our anger and our bitterness, and eventually it destroys our relationships, does it not? Ten, Proverbs 10.12 tells us that hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offense. Our anger and our hatred and our bitterness stirs up just more strife, just makes things worse. Like a festering blister, it just makes it worse. Love and forgiveness will soothe and heal and repair. And as it relates to forgiveness, there are really only three groups of people in the room. And probably in the world. Although, I'm not well-traveled. There are three people in the room. Those who, need to be, those who need to forgive someone, those who need to be forgiven, and those who will soon need to forgive and or be forgiven. <laughs> Let's talk about that first one. Some of us need to forgive. And for those of us who just can't seem to let go, for those of us who have been hurt so bad that you're not sure you can forgive, that you want to hang on to your anger, one, let me tell you again, that this, that's just going to make things worse. It's not going to fix the problem. And two, let me remind you that you once deeply grieved someone who forgave you. Ephesians 4.32 puts it rather succinctly. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Christians should be forgiving people because we know how much we've been forgiven. Some of us need to be forgiven, though, right? Some of us are the offender. We know that we're in the wrong. We know that our actions and words hurt other people. We know that, man, we really need to ask for forgiveness, but we also want to hold on to our anger. We feel justified in whatever it is that we did. And that's just as bad. Again, this is only going to make things worse, this, this hatred and strife. Well, Caleb, you just don't know. They're not going to forgive me. Maybe. That's not really your problem. Romans 12, Paul tells us that if, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Your responsibility is to ask for forgiveness, not to forgive. Go find that person and say you're sorry. Apologize and seek forgiveness. Maybe things won't be like they were, right? Maybe things will have to heal. Maybe there'll always be a scar there, but at least it'll, at least it'll be healed. Don't let your anger and your pride get in the way of doing what's right. And lastly, to those of us who will soon need to forgive and or be forgiven, remember these things <laughs> that we've been discussing. Because your time is coming. My time is coming too. It's inevitable that someone will hurt you or you will hurt someone else. When that happens, don't let anger get in the way. Forgive and forget and move on quickly. Again, Christians, more than any other group, should be known for their forgiveness because they've been forgiven much. A wise person who is slow to anger seeks understanding. They uh, find forgiveness. They, They are forgiving people. They, um, <clears throat> they uh, keep their mouth shut. And number four, our last point here, a person who is slow to anger avoids angry people. <laughs> a person who is slow to anger avoids angry people. Proverbs 22, 24 through 25 says this, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Pretty straightforward, Right? Surround yourself with angry people and you too will become angry. 
Proverbs says this the opposite way too, right? Surround yourself with wise people and you'll become wise. The Apostle Paul says it this way, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. Notice the other warning. That one's pretty obvious, right? That one seems pretty straightforward. But notice the other warning. You will entangle yourself in a snare. It's not just that you're going to get angry, it's that you'll be trapped. Getting out of anger is really hard to do. We know this because stay calm and carry on isn't just a cute slogan anymore, right? It's a billion-dollar industry. In fact, by 2027, just five years from now, okay, in 2027, the, uh, the global alternative healthcare industry, which would include things like uh, meditation and uh, uh, yoga and acupuncture, right, all of these sorts of things, breathing exercises, et cetera, et cetera, they think that globally it'll be worth $300 billion. It's a lot of cash. But we have to spend it, do we not? We have to do this because we're trapped in an endless cycle of anger and frustration and bitterness. Unless, unless we never get trapped in the first place. Because we're careful about who we surround ourselves with. When I first read these verses, I thought, well, that's, that's good, and we'll talk about that. That's interesting. Uh, but I don't, I don't have anyone in my life who I would consider an angry person, right? Sure, there are people uh, who get angry or get upset. Again, we all do this. But uh, then I thought, oh, that's good, and we'll talk about it, you know, note it. And then later that day, I got on social media. <laughs> yeah, big oops. And all the posts and comments and replies and liking of posts and comments and replies there's just so much purposeful divisiveness and anger. My whole feed was full of it. And sure, every now and then there's a cute kid or an animal video that's worth watching. And I do watch all of the cute animal videos. But most of it is pretty rough. I found myself getting angry and angry as I read some of it. Right? And it was getting juicier and more dramatic. And I was getting, you know, uh, all, all upset. I was trapped. But because I read this just earlier, thankfully the Holy Spirit tugged on my shoulder and said, hey, let's get out of here before we're stuck. (laughs) So that's what I did. I logged out. And then it happened again later that night as I watched the news. More divisiveness, more animosity, more anger. It's good to be well informed, but we need to be careful with what we're watching. Thankfully it was dinner time and Allison had told me to come eat, or I would have found myself in a full lathered frenzy. The Holy Spirit and my wife working in tandem that day. Not the first and hopefully not the last either. No, that's, of course, a bit of an exaggeration. I'm not the Hulk. I wouldn't have been in a complete frenzy after watching the evening news. But I was, I was, I could feel it in my chest and in my heart. And we know this. We know that what we consume matters. We teach our kids this. We watch out for language and nudity and disrespectful behavior. But do we check our own media consumption for divisiveness and hate and anger? I know I don't. But maybe I should. Maybe, maybe we all should. Jesus tells us, that, tells us that the mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. And if anger is what we consume, then anger is what will come out of us. 
Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Christians, what do people know you for? Do they know you for the God you follow or for the angry people you surround yourself with? Someone who is slow to anger seeks understanding. They keep their mouth shut. (laughs) They forgive and they avoid other angry people. That's it. That's all we need to do. Thank you all for coming. Go in peace. Never be angry again. (laughs) No, it's not that easy, is it? (laughs) Because whether it be external factors like work stress or the media like we just talked about or just trying to get your family out the door and into the car or in the internal workings of our own heart that we just talked about, it's easy to get angry. It's easier to get angry than it is almost do anything else in the world, right? And we can try and tell ourselves that we need to keep it together and to play it cool, but the truth is that we don't stand a chance without God doing the work in us. This is why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is so important. We've read it nearly every week, and we're going to keep reading it, I bet. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. You can't make your own path straight. You're just going to mess it up. And we know this because we try and stay calm. We try and stay calm and carry on, and yet, <laughs> and yet, the path just keeps getting crookeder and crookeder. And so we go humbly to our Lord and ask for patience and wisdom, and he will provide it. And he provides it because this is who he is. Is he not? He is slow to anger. He has been so with us. He has been so for thousands of years, for millennia. This is what he has been. Moses, when, he, when uh, he meets Moses for the first time, he says, Who, how should I describe myself? He describes himself as being, as God, God is being slow to anger. Abounding in love, and steadfastness, and forgiveness. That's who God is. And so he's got plenty to give to us. <laughs> More than enough. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it, if we ask. Proverbs 21, 21 says that whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life and righteousness and honor. That sounds really good, doesn't it? (laughs) Sounds really, really good. That sounds like the good life, does it not? Life and righteousness and honor. That is a, a life worth pursuing. Anger will only bring destruction, but kindness will bring life. Let's pursue kindness. A life of wisdom is marked by being slow to anger. So let's trust the Lord with all our hearts and pursue it together. Pursue righteousness and kindness together. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are angry people. (laughs) We don't want to be, but we are. And so I pray for us as a people, as individuals, as a church, as families, that we would be known as people who are slow to anger. That you would work in our hearts in such a way that you would help us change, that you would change us. That you would, as we've been singing, make all things new inside us. That people would remark, they're never upset, they're never mad. They're always forgiving. They're always understanding. God, but we can't do this without you. We've tried, and we need your help.
etch these words on our hearts, but more importantly, come live and be with us. Because that's the only way this is going to happen. We love you. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, the only name that saves, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.